Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. Hi, this is Griffin McElroy. And this is Wonderful. Oh, yeah. Welcome back to Wonderful. What are we... Which one is this again? Which one is this? Is this our Formula One podcast? Uh, it's our fan cast of the show, Small Wonder. Welcome to... Is it Small Wonder or Small Wonders? It's Single. Our, Singular. It's just the one robot. Yes. Girl. Anyways, this, so this is the small one. So this episode, we thought we'd talk about the technology. Is it possible? Is it real? Are there people around she us? She gets who, wet again. She got wet again. And oh, uh-oh, no. now she's just reciting the digits of pi. And I guess my question is, is this real? And are there really small wonders all around us? Uh, is everyone you know a small wonder? And you're the only not small wonder? It's kind of fucked up to think about, really. But um, I just think I see a lot of people who have never seen them swim. So... Their love is real, but they're not, and they can't eat food or spinach because it gets caught up in their robot parts. I've never seen you swim or eat spinach, so. I think that's not true. I've seen you do both those things. At the same time, Rachel <laughs> likes to do what she calls spinach parties, and that's where she gets in a pool by herself, and she gets angry oh. if anybody else comes outside, and she eats a bunch of wet spinach. <laughs> it's in real Popeye-inspired. Well, it's hippopotamus-inspired. You like let the spinach float on the mm-hmm. surface, and then you get underneath, and you pop up a- mm-hmm. above the pool surface, and you eat all the spinach. Mm-hmm. And then you, you know, you shut down because your robot body didn't know how to handle any of this stuff. AI was a heck of a movie anyway. So (laughs) this is the wonderful podcast where we talk about things that we think are really great and really good. And we should just do the damn thing because we're doing this one. Henry's at daycare so we can be loud, but we also have a pretty hard out, which is the time that we have to go get our retrieve our son from daycare. He's not a small wonder, right? No, no. We were both there when he was sort of organically manufactured if you know what i'm saying it's your turn to go first okay well the first thing that i want to bring to the table is a video and the video is on internet and you can watch it there with your uh web browser and the video is called inspiring people describe the first time they drank gatorade oh you've shown this to me before this is possibly my favorite (laughs) <laughs> internet video uh it's from Clickhole, which is sort of the uh sort of buzzfeed-esque parody brand from the onion which specializes in sort of making a mockery of like content internet content designed to go viral and uh across the board like Clickhole has done some really brilliant work in the past i think like there was a period there where if you saw me laughing and i was on my computer and you said, what are you laughing at? The answer pretty much 100% of the time was something that Clickhole did because they are really, really, really good at what they do. Uh, they, especially I wanted to highlight, like one of the brilliant things they do is a series called Click Venture, which is just a series of like web page based choose your own adventure games. Uh, uh, two recent ones include get fucked up on gin and build a gazebo for your neighbor. Um, <laughs> and can you help your dad lose his virginity at the Super Bowl? Like it's, it's extremely good. I, I was hesitant to talk about this because I feel like talking about things that are already pretty funny is kind of like yeah. entertainment poison in a way. Um, but I couldn't like when I was thinking about what I wanted to talk about this week and I think about the types of things that we talk about, like I don't usually talk about things that I think are genuinely very, very funny. And I think inspiring people describe the first time they drank Gatorade is extremely funny. It is a three minute and one second long sort of encapsulation of the things that I think are funny. Uh, it sort of fits into this model of videos that are based on sort of, viral facebook videos specifically like inspirational testimonial videos which were extremely hot for a very very long time uh where they just play some soft pretty music under people talking about something very earnestly and 
the premise for inspiring people describe the first time they drink Gatorade is pretty apparent, I feel like, based on the title. And like the things that are funny about this video, I could I could list them out. Like that premise alone is extremely uh extremely good. Well, and I think and this and this may not be true, but I find it to be true. Um nobody really likes the taste of Gatorade, right? Am I wrong? I, I, so I have a, I enjoy it in very specific situations, really after I do some exercise or I have diarrhea, which is like I'm not <laughs> doing much exercise at all. Those are the two times in which I drink Gatorade. Like what the appeal is that it's a sports drink for sportsmen doing sports, right? Right. And or people who have very, very bad diarrhea. Um, I enjoy it because you drew, you do it after sports and it's like, I've earned this flavor. And you do it when you have diarrhea, and it's like, this is going to help me with my diarrhea. And so there's a certain gratitude that you feel towards Gatorade. Another thing is we cannot talk about Gatorade and say anything even remotely as funny as this yeah, video was. True. Uh, because this video is all about talking about a fairly mundane thing in absurdist terms, which is like my jam. It's like my favorite comedy shit. And to that point, here's a, a short list of some of the things they call Gatorade in this video. Football milk, the sweet neon soup, the bright red neon soup, beautiful blue syrup or sweat potion, which is all fucking fantastic. <laughs> Um, the, the, the writing in general is just like super, super, super funny. And it adheres to this style, uh, like without swerving or breaking even for a second. Uh, one line includes, I took a sip of the Gatorade and I could feel the electrolytes turn my body into strong, wild garbage. <laughs> um, what I really like about it in, and, and this is something that I feel like I try to incorporate in the, the stuff that we do. Uh, the, the comedy stuff we do in the other podcast, maybe not Adventure Zone, that's a little bit on the nose, uh, but it does a lot of, in the three minutes, really, there's only like a one minute section of it where it really hones down on this, is lore building. Like, it does so much to sort of, yeah. it introduces this concept that there is a world in which people drink Gatorade and the experience is so powerful and memorable that they have a testimony to deliver in this video. And then it adds on to that world by introducing uh, the concept of Gatorade scientists who develop the Gatorade, <laughs> and they develop the Gatorade by doing deadly experiments on, quote, the football players. Well, and it also plays a popular McElroy game, which is let's come up with a new name for something, and then let's see how many names we can come up with. Yeah, and, and it, it does that really well. But in, in, in terms of like establishing this fiction of there are football scientists in the secret Gatorade laboratory <laughs> who are doing experiments on football players that uh, it does kill them. Uh, but is that cost worth the great taste of this neon soup? Like it, it that, that I also really, really like that. And that's like, I feel like a, a thing that I try to do in, in all of the comedy stuff that we do. Cause I think it's like, it's a lot easier to get somebody to laugh at something if they are invested in the, in the joke or the world of the joke that you've created and the way that you get them invested is by fleshing it out. It, like almost like you would do with like a traditional fiction narrative, yeah. which sounds like uh, maybe I've gone way too far up my own ass in, in talking about it like that. But um, I feel like this video gets in and tells a bunch of jokes about Gatorade and then starts to explore this, this Gatorade obsessed world and the high cost of living in it. Um, before landing it with like more jokes. Like I think it is like a perfectly constructed thing. And we have now absolutely done the thing where we've ruined the comedy <laughs> of it by talking about it too much. Um, but it, it's just it, the, the way that they say all of these completely, completely preposterous things in a 
unswerving deadpan delivery is the funniest shit in the world to me. Yeah. And I watch this video on a monthly basis and I think it's extremely good. And um, let's play a clip of it because I think even if you can't see it, you can imagine sort of what the tone of this piece is just by hearing some of the things they say about Gatorade. The power of the football milk took me on a vision quest to the Gatorade laboratories, which are in hell. And in my dream, I saw the Gatorade scientists doing exercise experiments on all the football players, and they were dying. The sweat professors kill the football players with their Gatorade experiments. I know the Gatorade scientists are running exercise experiments on the football players, and that many of them get killed in the laboratories, but I don't care because I need the electrolytes for my tantrums. Every night since I took my first sip of I'm curious to hear what you brought to the table this time. I like our listeners picturing this actual table in which we pass our wonderful things back and forth. How dope would it be if you actually just brought Gatorade or Powerade? That will never happen. <laughs> I you really don't ad- admire this. Flight. Imagine like you're painting the house and you get all, it's a hot summer day and you're painting the house and you get like a deep thirst going. Lemonade, water. Yeah, yeah, good point. Either of those. Yeah, good point. Scrabble. <laughs> <laughs> It took me a second because I was like, you don't drink Scrabble. Oh, Scrabble. (laughs) Scrabble brought us together, babe. I know. I have been a Scrabble enthusiast for, gosh, I don't know, 15 years maybe? Yeah. Uh, And it is something that Griffin and I did together before we were really officially together. Our first, like, date technically, our first, like, private hangout sesh was over some Scrab. Mm-hmm. I went over to Griffin's place and played Scrabble, and it was just the two of us. That's true. Earlier that night, I had come over to your house because uh, we had found a, or you had found a board game of Sweet Valley High mm-hmm. at a garage sale or a, a, a thrift shop or something like that. And we had gone over to, I had gone over to your house because uh, you wanted to play it, but it really it was sort of a thinly veiled excuse for us to hang out. Our friend Grace was there mm-hmm. sort of as a mediator, I think, to make us feel more comfortable. But I think she read the room and literally Almost a, immediately. a minute after I got there, she left. So it was just the two of us. And also, I had no idea how to like go over to somebody's house that I was interested in and hang out. <laughs> um, and Grace had said that I should bring some beer. And I had no idea what a normal <laughs> amount to bring was because, again, like this was not anything I had. I was experiencing, so I brought like a 12-pack or a 24-pack, like a complete, and you both saw it and were like, what are you doing? What are you <laughs> doing? It wasn't like the nighttime. It was like early afternoon. Yeah, I was a dunce. And you barged in with your 12-pack, and then you suggested we continue the party at your place. Well, it's because you wanted to play Scrabble, but you didn't have it. So maybe yeah. you're not that big of a Scrabble fan. <laughs> also because the Sweet Valley High board game was very bad, and we were missing a lot of the pieces. <laughs> uh, so Scrabble... Started in 1938. Now, I'm going to warn you, the creator of Scrabble's last name is Butts. So I want you to get ready, because I'm going to say it a few times. Okay. Hold on. Okay. Oh, God. That was a really close one. His name is Alfred Butts. (laughs) I know. He originally invented a game called Lexico which uh, was transformed into crisscross words. Not as good. (laughs) Lexico is a really, really good name. Mm -hmm. I think I might like it better than Scrabble. And then in 1948, James Bruno uh, bought the game from Butts 
No, you only get two. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm over it now. Uh, and basically kept it the same, moved some of the, the premium squares around and changed the name to Scrabble, which is a real word that means to scratch frantically. Yeah, that doesn't really describe this, I think. So this dude bought it from Butts and basically, let's be honest, probably ripped him off. Like there, because this is... Well, he gave him royalties. Oh, okay. Well, then we're good. As long as he's getting those residues. Yeah. I love you just put your computer down. I know everything else about Scrabble off the top of my dome. <laughs> well, no, I think, you know, I could talk more about the history, but I, I really wanted to focus on why I like the game so much. Yeah. Why do you like Scrabble so much? Uh, I it, there, There's a puzzle aspect of it, Natch. I mean, I imagine everyone knows how to play Scrabble, but you just make words and you have to use the letters from the previous words that have been put on the board. Uh, and there's some strategy involved because high value letters like X or Z, if you put those on like triple letter score right. pieces, you get extra points. Uh, I play a lot of words with friends. You play more words. With, <laughs> this is another thing. We've talked about this before where like, uh, Rachel does not play a ton of games, but no. the games that you do play, you play more than I've ever played any video game yes. ever, including Two Dots and Words with Friends. Literally, every time I see you and you're looking at your phone, you're playing with uh -huh. someone. Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't I just I really enjoy it. Um, I think it's it's good for kind of building your vocabulary. And also, yeah, I know all sorts of two letter words now. Yeah. Know? I za for example is I still in the dictionary. can't believe that that's acceptable mm -hmm. that's there's two things that kind of stress me out about Scrabble and one is that that there yeah. in order to be like a, to really play it at the level that you're playing it like I have to know all of these I'm sorry bullshit words <laughs> um, and then there's always a lot of argument about whether or not something is an actual word or not but also it just kind of stresses me out like it's one of those games where I feel like I can only feel satisfied if I get the most amount of points I can yeah. possibly get on any given move, which is is unreasonable. Like no, if you use fair. a Scrabble solver to see like what the actual highest score word is, because there's like computer programs that can let you do that. It's shit that you you don't know the word. You would never think to put it in the way that it would be. But I'm always I always feel compelled like I have to do that. And so I take like 15 minutes to take a turn. And you're like, come on. And then I spell like <laughs> dog. That's the thing. That's why I like playing it digitally more than in person. Um, because you can kind of take your time. You don't have somebody sitting across from you having to play. I think it's such a like a brilliant construction for a game because like it's just words like all you need yeah. to know is all you need to know is words there's not i mean there's an element of chance in like whatever tiles you draw but mostly it's like what what words can you think of to to put down here mm -hmm. one game i really like that i think solves a couple of the problems that i have with scrabble which i still love but i don't play that much anymore because it again it kind of stresses me out is bananagrams yeah that's bananagrams a is a good one where you have to use your tiles to basically create a crossword on the fly and use every every letter that you have uh and force as you like use letters you draw new letters and you force your opponent to also draw letters so you and try there's to no bury, board there's no board and so you try to bury them in in tiles um, but there's none of this like extra bonus spaces and there's mm -hmm. no like sort of formula you have to stick to. You just have to make sure that everything fits and that everything is a word and it's timed so that the games last like a few minutes, uh, which I like. It's like you get in yeah. and you get out and there's none of this sort of like constant deliberation over like, oh no, this isn't going to be enough points. Yeah. So I, I just, I thought that I should, I should bring it. I should bring it to the council uh, because I have enjoyed it for so very long and I don't see myself ever getting tired of it. We used to play it a lot, like a lot, a lot, a lot. We used to have friends over to like play it with us 
And I feel like that can't be fun for them because I feel like you and I both get pretty... We're intense about it. Pretty intense about it. I get intense about almost every board game that I play and Scrabble is uh, one one game that you See, also I get don't, very I, Yeah, I don't... Uh, most games I kind of tap out almost immediately uh, because... I'm not super competitive unless I think I'm kind of good at something. Yeah. Well, that's the secret. You just have to think you're kind of good at all board games. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're good at board games, though. Like, you win a lot of, a lot of yeah, shit. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. I, 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 I think Scrabble is, is the equalizer for me. Yeah. Um, you know what? It's the great equalizer, though. What? Money. <laughs> and then he died oh no yeah he died that was mr rich man and he had all the money in the world and he thought it was so funny how much money he had and he always talked about how money's the great equalizer and they would laugh really hard it was like his favorite thing to do they did it too hard he died all he, does that mean we're never doing that stinger anymore yeah he died well, maybe you might come back from the dead. Uh-oh. Spooky. Next Halloween. Next Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> A year from now. It can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace. Um, there's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis um, website design or website functionality and you think that i could never be that i could never be among their illustrious ranks griffin if i wanted to build a website where i ranked my favorite episodes of ghostwriter would i be able to do that well first of all it would be the same list as everybody else's with the julia styles <laughs> episode at the top but yes you can do that with squarespace it's the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online Every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Do you want to have special functionality, like maybe a members-only VIP club section of your website? You can do that. Do you want to sell stuff? Yeah, you can do that too. Do you want to have an online scheduler so that people you can, you can sell uh, your time? Yeah, you can do that also. Anything is possible! That's um th- for the commercial, the Super Bowl commercial they had. That was my voice yelling, anything is possible. In the wow. Background. Yeah, not a lot of people know that. Hey, head to squarespace.com slash wonderfulpod for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code wonderfulpod to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Griffin? Yeah. You know what's a shame? Mm, what? Is that when you order uh, meals to be delivered to you, they can only be for dinner. That's true because of the law. But wait, wait, what's this coming across our desk? The law is different now? (laughs) It's factor. These rebels are operating outside the boundaries of food law. (laughs) Factor has breakfast. They have midday bites. They have smoothies. Uh, There's lots of stuff you can get with Factor. What other things can you get with Factor? Well, I'm looking at this menu right now. They got a lot of tasty little options for you. I'm talking about artichoke and spinach chicken with roasted zucchini and tomato butter. Did you even know that butter could be tomato? (laughs) Not me. Shredded chicken and loaded mashed taters. With I changed the word. They say potatoes, but I said taters, precious. With mushroom <laughs> gravy, smoked cheddar, uh, bacon, and Parmesan broccoli. Uh, this this menu is out of sight, and my mouth is just watering looking at these glossy JPEGs of tasty food. So head to factormeals.com slash wonderful50 and use code wonderful50 to get 50% off. That's code wonderful50 at factormeals.com slash wonderful50 to get 50% off. 
Hey, do we have any Jumbotrons on this one? We do. This message is for Alice. It is from Maxwell. Alice, thank you for being an extraordinary wife and my closest companion. I can say with certainty that you have shaped me into a better bird than I have any right to be, and that you are a great mom to our badly named cats, Wormy, Pillbug, and Face. Those are great. I hope this surprise public proclamation of my affections brightens your day. I love you. That's so sweet. I thought we specifically said no birds, though. Because when birds come in, they, you know, they get their seed everywhere and their excrement. Don't even get me started. And the feathers stink. You ever smelled a bird out in the wild? They stink, Rachel. (laughs) When did you become so (laughs) anti-bird? I think they're great when they're up in the sky, but then they fly close to your nose. You're like, what's that smell? What about cats? Do you still like cats? Cats are great. Cats are great. Just That's a great bird. Birds, their feathers, though, they st- what are they flying through? Garbage hoops? I'm sure you're great, though, Maxwell. Here's another one for more Joe and Katie. And it's from Susie, who says, I love both of you so much and am so happy we've been friends for seven years, starting from our blunder high school days. Uh, I'm so proud of you, Morjo, for uh, starting med school and for Katie uh, for starting her new job. I know we'll be far apart geographically, but you'll always be close to my heart. That's so sweet. And I really hope I was saying that name correctly. Morjo, or perhaps Morjo. Either one is beautiful and it drips right off the tongue and congratulations on your great friendship and you know don't let the distance keep you down it's just space you know Ooh, that's true it's just space it's just space and and you know the amount of time it takes to travel that space you can always hop in a car and go wherever unless you live in hawaii you want to come to you know the contiguous areas that's and then you need a boat or a plane <laughs> Oh, sorry about that. Just had to dispatch some goons real quick. Hi, I'm April Wolf, lead film critic at LA Weekly. And when I'm not kicking butt, I'm hosting the new Maximum Fun podcast, Switchblade Sisters. Do you love genre films? Do you love female filmmakers? Do you love discussions on craft? If your answer is yes, you'll love Switchblade Sisters. Every episode, I invite one female filmmaker on, and we talk in-depth about their fave genre film and how it influenced their own work. So we're talking horror, action, sci-fi, fantasy, bizarro, and exploitation cinema. Mothers, lock up your sons, because the Switchblade sisters are coming for you. Available at MaximumFun.org or wherever you find your podcasts. Can I do my second thing? Yes, please. I'm so excited about it. I talk about things being like my favorite on this show a lot, and I try to keep that like legit. Like I try to when I say something is my favorite thing. This is my favorite funny internet video Can about I Gatorade. Say something? Do I do it too much? You are the most enthusiastic man I've ever That's met. That's probably true. And or I love that. Alternatively, we're going to run out of stuff to talk about on this show because <laughs> I really do talk about stuff I think is my favorite. I want to talk about literally my favorite place on earth. Whoa! This is not. Uh, this is this is not like hyperbole. I. I feel like, do you have like a favorite place on earth? Like if you thought about it in your head? I think that would be a really hard call for me. I think I know it. Um, it's my favorite place on earth. I think about it all the time. I'm dying to go back there. It is the Hakone Open Air Museum oh, in Hakone, Japan. That's definitely top five for me. Uh, so Rachel and I went to Japan on our honeymoon back in what, 2013, 2014? Be 14. Jesus Christ, that was three years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, this month, it was it was three years ago. We went in November, and we went to Tokyo and Hakone and Kyoto, and it was the best trip ever, and it was like life-changing and genuinely the, the most one of the most fantastic experiences of my whole life. 
And the highlight of that was the Hakone Open Air Museum. Yes. So uh, Hakone is uh, sort of a short train ride away from Tokyo. I think it was about an hour on the, the high-speed train. Um, and it is located in the Fuji Hakone Izu National Park on Lake Ashi, which basically means like it's right up against, uh, uh, Mount Fuji, which is, you know, the big radical mountain. Uh, and it's supposed to offer you these like incredible views of Fuji wherever you are, which are, uh, sort of a big tourist attraction, unless it is like really foggy and rainy, which yeah, I was the whole time. It was overcast we were there. the whole time. Uh, we got a couple of, uh, okay. Uh, looks at it, but for the most part, we were denied that. But it's still like a really fantastic place. Uh, Hakone is sort of a hot spring resort town that's built like into a mountain. There's countless hot spring locations, whether it is like, uh, um, you know, old, old inns with hot springs in them or like actual like hot spring places that you go just for the hot springs and they don't have lodging or anything like that. There's a place we went called Unison, which is a hot spring water park, which is fantastic that has a bunch of different scented, uh, pools. Like there was a red wine hot spring, which was great. The and coffee, coffee and yogurt hot and springs, tea. which maybe sound gross to you. They were just like sort of scented infused waters it wasn't yeah. like we were boiling in yogurt although that might still also be pretty dope there's also a hot <laughs> spring water slide which is like i think a thing that everybody needs to do before yeah, they die is go on so a hot spring wonderful. water slide um there is there one of the sort of characteristic things about hakone and i'm going to talk about this specific place in hakone here in a second but i want to kind of set the scene it's all very very natural it's well outside of the the city uh, it's a fairly small town, uh, and because it's sort of built into the side of the mountain, there's all these sort of geographic uh, features. There's something called the Hakone Free Pass Loop, which uh, includes all of these different modes of transport that you pay for a Hakone Free Pass, and then you can take all of them in a loop around the town. And so there's like a uh, old rail car that weaves through the mountains that leads up to a cable car that takes you way up the main mountain. And then once you're at the top of that, you take a ropeway over the mountain where you can stop at this uh, sort of volcanically active uh, uh, a pool where they boil eggs and you can eat the eggs there. And add uh, years to your life. Add seven years to your life and do some hiking up there. And then you can take another ropeway down to Lake Ashi where you can board an old pirate ship, which you can ride across the surface of the lake and then get on a train that leads you back to, you know, the beginning of the loop, uh, which is it takes a whole day to do all that. But it's such a cool way to, like, be outside in nature and see all these, like, different cool parts of the town. And the coolest part of this town is the Hakone Open Air Museum, which is... Uh, a sculpture park with over, they have over a thousand works of art, but they have 120 sculptures on permanent display across the park. The park is like, uh, I think the website said it's like 60,000 meters. It's a huge, huge expanse built into, uh, the, the mountain and, uh, you, it has this incredible scenic overlook into the valley, uh, where you can just see for miles and miles and miles. Um, and even without all the art around, it's like one of the most beautiful places I've ever been in the world. Um, they have all of these sculptures and I, I love a sculpture park because I am not, not, uh, like an art enthusiast or I, I know nothing yeah. about art and I feel sometimes, um, a bit disappointed in myself when we go to a museum because I feel like I don't know how to really appreciate the things that I'm seeing correctly, which I recognize as a just I've a, heard a lot of people say that. I think that's interesting. I, I, maybe it has to do with exposure because I've I've never felt intimidated or felt like there was a certain way to appreciate or feel when you looked at a piece of art. Like I, I, I don't feel like 
like I'm not getting enough out of it, you know? I, my favorite is the Chicago Museum, the Chicago, whatever it's called. School the, of the Art Institute? Yeah, the Art Institute. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, there's something about seeing, like, Nighthawks, and it's like, oh, fuck. Like, okay, I get, I get, I get Nighthawks, I get Starry Night. Like, I see those, and it's like, it's kind of undeniable. But a lot of the time, like, it's just like, oh, that's a really cool thing. And I, I feel like I struggle to really... um uh, feel this deeper connection with it because I feel like I would am being uh, inauthentic in it because I don't really understand it. But I don't feel that about sculpture and I don't feel that about sculpture parks, which feel so interactive and they feel so accessible. And it's a very like what you see is what you get. And this is not a judgment on non-sculpture based art. It's just sort of <laughs> how I have come to uh, con- consume the the art that I see. I did not grow up uh, Huntington has a museum that was pretty great and it showed off like local stuff, but like, I don't know, it did not instill in me this like they deeper. They have sculptures though at that. They Huntington do, yeah, museum. sure. And I and, like out in the. We mostly the played grounds. on them because there's a theater up there too. And so when you're a little kid and like you're not on stage, we would like climb around on the sculptures, which is probably not <laughs> yeah. great. Um, so there's all the, uh, 120 sculptures in this like incredible lawn uh, overlooking the valley, which is beautiful. But they have uh, a couple of buildings with uh, other forms of art in it, including a Picasso pavilion. And the yeah. Picasso pavilion, uh, again, like I don't, I feel like I don't know enough, enough about art to say like, oh, I'm a huge Picasso fan. But it was kind That's of relevatory uh, because it includes like a lot of his lesser known works and includes a lot of works that he gave up on like works that he just did not finish because he's like yeah. oh this sucks i'm I'll... well and a lot of late in life like pottery a lot of stuff. experimental yeah. shit that he got into that didn't really get caught up in the, the the public eye there are also a lot of sort of like uh never before seen photos of picasso yeah. and a sort of biography of him that takes you through his different sort of uh styles that he experimented with it was really 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 fascinating and huge like they have so much stuff and you don't really expect to be in this sculpture park in a small town in japan and then they have this huge comprehensive collection embodying picasso's whole uh body of work uh they have a bunch of interactive spaces especially for kids there's a place called zigzag world that is just sort of this uh i don't know how to describe it but almost like sculpture of netting hanging from the ceiling yeah, over it's like, like a everything foam. everything was made from yarn almost and then there's these kind of large like crawl spaces and yeah it's, it's really cool you're supposed to take your shoes off if you go in there and there's mats and- there's like a geometric sculpture of tunnels like clear tunnels yeah. that kind of looks vaguely like a snowflake when you're inside of it like mm-hmm. it kind of seems like you're in this like ice palace but kids can just like climb through it there's this weird one where you climb down a tunnel in the ground and then you're underground and oh, it's yeah. completely dark except for a <laughs> single hole looking up into the sky. That one freaked me the fuck out. Um, but like, again, like it's really accessible because there's a lot of stuff you can just like get in, like you can get inside. Yeah. Um, the highlight of it is uh, what's called a symphonic uh, structure, which is a massive stained glass tower. Uh, with this spiral staircase inside of it that you climb up and then you there's a viewing platform that lets you see the entire park and the whole valley and mountain every every in every direction that is like being inside of that one like piece of art that one massive intricate stained glass tower was like uh i i'm getting i get chills kind of when i think about it because i think about being inside of it and they call it a symphonic structure because the acoustics inside of it are so unique and i remember climbing that tower and like whistling while climbing to the top of the structure and hearing it ping pong all all over this enormous structure and thinking like 
that it I it was a moment of like gen I don't want to sound like a this is what I'm talking about when I feel like I'm being inauthentic, but it was this moment of like genuine like beauty that oh I had gosh, never really I experienced before. And then you get to the top of it and boom, <laughs> here's know. like the most breathtaking view of it's nature you've ever seen. Um, it's, it's really, really fantastic. We have, a I think, a we bought a bunch of stuff at the gift shop because I remember thinking like, oh, this was a day that changed, it changed my life. Like it legitimately did yeah. make me want to, um, uh, uh, appreciate art in a, in a different way, which I think is sort of the objective of most museums. And this was the first place that really knocked me the fuck out. We have a table runner that looks like this stained glass symphonic structure. That's actually that, given to us by the plants. Oh, the plants are so sweet. Oh yeah. yeah they went to it too, didn't uh-huh. they? Um, so like I love I love sculpture parks like I said and this is my favorite one of those there's just so much to see there's so many exhibits there's so many incredible views of the natural surroundings around you like looking around and appreciating all these things that people have made position in this incredible place that people did not make is like a a, a sort of um I, it's a really incredible phenomenon um and so you walk around all of it and you climb this huge tower and you, there's a lot to see and you walk the whole 60,000 meters of the park and you get super tired. What's that right in the middle of the park? It's a big foot bath. Fuck yeah. Hakone open air museum. <laughs> You're the best place on earth. I want to go back there so badly. If you go to Japan, um, since we talked about going, uh, to Japan on our honeymoon, people are always asking for recommendations, like go to this place. It changed my life. It's, it's, it will change yours too. It's fucking fantastic. It's yeah. my favorite place on earth. And if you're not going to Japan, um, my other favorite sculpture park is Lawmire in yeah, St. Louis, Lawmire's Missouri. Great too. Yeah. yeah. I used to go to art camp there every summer. Um, I, I love a sculpture park. Me too. Yes. Uh, you want to tell me about your second thing? Yeah. Okay. My second thing. You probably knew this was coming one day. It's Fraggle Rock. Oh, Fraggle Rock. <laughs> we don't watch much Fraggle Rock. We watch, we've started, Henry's gotten very into Sesame Street. Yes. Uh, Fraggle Rock, actually, you can watch on HBO Go. Weird place yeah, for Yeah, it live. used to be on Hulu. Now it's on HBO. It was actually the first original series on HBO. I did not know it was an HBO show. Yeah. Huh, Okay. Uh, it's a Canadian show. Came out in 1983, uh, created by Jim Henson. Thank you, Jim. Natch. Uh, tons of Muppets. Lasted for five seasons. Is that all? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, and is is a interconnected ecosystem of Fraggles, Doozers, Gorgs, and human beings. I adored Fraggle Rock when I was younger. It's yes. been a very long time since I've watched Fraggle Rock, but I was like obsessed with it when I was, when I was a, a little one. I don't think I appreciated the world that they had built necessarily. I just thought the characters were so, so, so great. And I wanted to be friends with all of them and I wanted to live under the ground with all of them. The more uh, I learned about Fraggle Rock, the more I love it. Like Obviously, I loved it initially. Um, so the Fraggles are just kind of your standard Muppet kind of kind of seem like they could exist in the Kermit world. Then there's the Gorgs, which are these huge kind of larger than life Muppets. They're more kind of a big bird Snuffleupagus type, uh, bigger than a person. Uh, and they are kind of the the royalty. They they assume that they are kings and queens of the, the universe. Do they eat the fraggles? No, they're always trying to thump them. Oh. So the fraggles go into the Gorgs garden to get radishes. And to visit the trash heap, which is the kind of the wise, the all-knowing. Of, yeah. yeah. So they thump them. They don't eat them. 
Because no. I was thinking, I was thinking of like a troll's parallel. No, they're always trying to catch him. Well, that's wasteful. I think if a gorg got me, I'd want him to at least eat me. Well, they kind of treat him like pests. You know, yeah. like you wouldn't necessarily eat a rat if you caught it. I wouldn't. That's right, babe. Mm-hmm. Unless uh, I was a little kitty cat. <laughs> then I eat him up good. <laughs> <laughs> and then in the Fraggle verse, which is subterranean. Yeah. Uh, there are doozers, and doozers are little workers in the universe. They create these little structures out of doozer sticks, which the Fraggles like to eat. That always weirded me out a little bit. Are the doozers compensated by the Fraggles, or do they have their own sort of ecosystem? They just work for the sake of work. They're just just hard workers. They're kind of like ants, in a way, if you think about it. Yeah, but ants probably get some sort of, like, jelly or something from the queen (laughs) for the things that they do, right? I, you know, I don't know a lot about ants. They're called doozers because they do. And I get it. It's just like, I want to make sure that they're taken care of. If they're happy, gr- great. I just want to make sure. they are. I just want to make sure they're not being exploited. Uh, and then there's uh, human beings, which exist kind of through this hole in the Fraggle universe, which is kind of like a, a mouse hole in a building. And um, they eat the gorgs. No. So they eat the gorgs. The gorgs <laughs> eat the Fraggles. The Fraggles eat the doozers. And the doozers don't. No. Griffin, so this show was created to show that different creatures from all walks of life could cohabitate peacefully. Without eating each other all the damn time. Okay. I mean. Uh, The human beings are called the silly creatures, and they live in what the Fraggles call outer space. Yeah. That all all tracks. So here's the thing that kind of cemented Fraggle Rock as as my favorite in in the world. Um, One of the writers, uh, Jocelyn Stevenson, gave an interview. And I've also seen this in kind of the special features of my Fraggle Rock DVDs. Uh, But Jim Henson tasked the other writers on the show to say that they wanted to create programming that would stop war. So their big hope for this, this show was that children would grow up and learn about existing peacefully with you know, different creatures and, and people in the, in the world and understanding each other better. And that through that understanding, it would raise a generation of people that would stop war, which how can you not love that? Yeah, it didn't maybe necessarily pan out, but it's a, it's like the most altruistic. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like it wasn't a show about selling merchandise, although I'm sure that happened. I don't uh, have some <laughs> rock merchandise. Yeah. Uh, and so one of the shows or one of the episodes that I like is actually the second to last episode. It's called the honk of honks. Uh, and it has, uh, Cantus, who was one of Jim Henson's only characters on the show. He only did that and, uh, convincing John. So he kind of came in as these, you know, one-off characters. And Cantus is this kind of wandering sage that comes in and, and presents the fraggles with wisdom and the honk of honks is all about uh, creating this one musical instrument that would then start off the Song of Songs. And in order to do this, Gobo, who's one of the big adventurer fraggles, has to go find all the pieces to create this honk of honks. And so he travels throughout all the ecosystems, like the Doozers and the Gorgs and outer space, to put this together. Uh and it's it's an incredible episode. Uh, there's there's a scene between uh, Gobo and the silly creature that is is so moving 
Um, I just watched the episode again today before we did this up, this, uh, recording, but he, they realize that there's this whole universe that exists outside of themselves, uh, and how interdependent they can be on each other without even, you know, knowing of its existence. So I just, I, I, every time I return to it, I'm so filled with this kind of spirit of optimism of just, there are people out there creating these things because they have these huge lofty goals. Yeah. Uh, and it, it really resonates with me still. And it's one of those shows that I'm excited for Henry to get yeah, into. Yeah, I was just about to ask, like, how he gets a little older. I'm really excited for him to watch it. Because, yeah. again, like, I never watched much Sesame Street. I was more of a Eureka's Castle man. Um, and I really enjoyed watching it. I feel like I'm getting, like, an education and something that I never really tapped into. Yeah, I love, I love Muppets. I love the music. I love the lessons. The lessons are so big, you know? It's not just about, like, this is what a banana is. It's like, how can we, <laughs> how can we coexist See, with See, that's the... why I was a Eureka's Castle. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of gravitas. Like Do you know a... who was the, you know who was the lead writer on R.L. Stein? Co-creator? Or, shit. Let's just said it. <laughs> R.L. Stein was the co-creator of I Eureka's Castle. I didn't know Castle. that. That's interesting. Uh, he can spook you, but then he can take you away to a magic world of puppets. I think it, it just gives kids a lot of credit. You know, it's yeah. like we don't have to just teach kids the alphabet. We can teach them these larger life lessons that become important for the rest of their life. And that's the thing. Like, I feel like and I don't want to go too deep down like an Andy Rooney hole. Well, like it feels like there's a lot of educational shows out there. God knows we've watched a lot of yeah. them. Your your little Einsteins or what have you. And there aren't a ton of them that are like, it's not just about teaching you the alphabet and your colors and your shapes and your foods. Like, I feel like there is something to like teaching you also moral lessons in a way that is not ham fisted and, you know, preachy and gross. I think Daniel Tiger, from what I've seen of Daniel Tiger, Daniel Tiger does this in a a, a nice way, sort of following in the tradition. Well, that's Fred Rogers. Mr. Rogers, right. Um, but yeah, I, 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 man, I love Fraggle Rock. It's just, yeah, it's motivated by kindness and getting along and, and curiosity and understanding each other. I mean, it's, it's the fundamental things that make a person interesting their whole life. Right. Uh, how about some submissions from our friends at home? Okay. Here is one from Jess who says, I wanted to share my love for theater and more specifically my high school drama department. We just finished our opening weekend of The Crucible and it makes me so incredibly happy to see a show come together in a matter of weeks due to the sheer dedication and talent of the cast and crew. There's something really magical about opening night and knowing all of the work we did was very much worth it. Shout out to Queen Anne's County High School. What's up, Queen Anne's County Barracudas? Ooh, this is like a this is like a sneaky jumbotron, is what it is. Oh, damn, you're right. But it's also <laughs> true. Like, I really like this one just because I loved plays and being in and all my friends get up there. And just you know, I know that about you. Yeah, you never did one. I thought you were in like Oklahoma or some shit. No, I our senior class did a senior play, and I was in a, a one act kind of thing. I love it. That was it. I mean, it's not a real play if it doesn't have, like, you know, music and dancing and singing, but I still love it. Uh, here is another one, and it, please don't message me. I was just kidding about that. Here's another one from Curtis. My family always celebrates Thanksgiving at the beach in Florida, and we love to spend Thanksgiving Day out on the beach playing lawn games. Bocce, coob, and horseshoes are our favorites. Love how accessible lawn games are to me and my family members, regardless of our age or coordination level. Lawn games are great. Beach Thanksgiving I've never even considered before. Yeah, I've known people that have done that before. I love getting out and exercising on Thanksgiving. We used to always go out and play basketball in our basketball hoop that we inexplicably had behind our house before Thanksgiving. <laughs> Whip up a powerful hunger just doing turkey dunks. 
You know what those are? Um, I imagine there's gobbling involved. No, it's just you do a big dunk and you expend a bunch of energy and you fill your belly up with turkey. Oh, see, I liked I liked. A, Yours is better. A gobble. Here's another one from Isaac who says, In the mid to early 2000s when DVD sales were just starting to dwindle, a lot of companies tried incorporating little secrets in the option menus to drive up sales. You'd randomly press buttons on the remote until something happened and then get to look at concept art or play a little flash game. I still remember my little brothers and I freaking out after uh, discovering the Finding Nemo extra when I was 12. And whenever I happen to pop in a DVD with one of those crazy menus, it brings me right back to that beautifully nostalgic day. Oh, I remember that. Oh, my God. Every DVD you bought, it was like a little little journey, a little National yeah. Treasure Book of Secrets. I mean, it was the National Treasure Book of Secrets DVD, and there was probably shit all over that Do one. Do you remember when CDs used to have bonus tracks, and you had to yeah. let the last song play for like 10 minutes, and then the you find another song? Yeah, it's Mike like Doty that. had an album like that that had a really good track, but you had to let it let yeah. it just roll which is great unless you fall asleep listening to it and then it's the fucking worst thing ever because <laughs> you fall asleep and there's nothing and then it's like bang bang here's a secret song thank you all so much for listening to wonderful we have to go right now because we have to go pick up the the baby from daycare but thank you all so much for listening go to maximumfun.org check out all the great podcasts there thank you to bowen and augustus for the use of our theme song you can uh, it's called money won't pay and you can find a link in the episode description is there anything else uh, you know, if you haven't joined our Facebook group, I really recommend it. Uh, a lot of people get on after the episode and talk about the things that they like, and it's pretty great. It was like Pie City there for a bit. Yeah. And I am very, very into that. Uh, okay, that's it. Thank you all so much for listening. we got to go. Bye. Bye. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. What's up? I'm James, the co-host of Minority Corner. And look at that! I'm Aneke, the other co-host of Minority Corner. Girl, guess what? What? We just hit our 100th episode! What? And what do you think is going to be in store for the next 100? Probably some more feuds with Jennifer Hudson. And I'm telling you, I'm We'll probably do more investigative reporting, too, like we did with the Kodak and their racist film. Not to mention exposing the truth, like how we did with the ugly history of the Texas Rangers. But we always lighten the mood with a splash of pop culture. Olivia Pope's new wig, have you seen that? It's popping. Just like your lip gloss. And Janet Jackson. And you know we like to put our nerd glasses on and talk about things like marvel it's true that's it (laughs) (laughs) i don't speak about dc (laughs) but you just did all from a perspective that's black queer and ladylike so come on over and learn laugh and play and join the corner it's a lot of fun i'm having fun right now (laughs) (laughs) minority Minority Corner. corner